right. If you have your Bible, uh, please grab and open up to Proverbs chapter 24. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the sound booth back there. If you grab one of those hardback Bibles on the sound booth, we're going to be on page uh, 546 if you want to follow along with us. Uh, so the other night, I was uh, having this amazing dream. I was uh, like a superhero rescuing the world, and it was pretty awesome. And then um, somehow there was a crying baby in my dream. And I realized that that wasn't part of my dream. It was actually part of reality. And uh, our daughter was upstairs crying in her bed. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning. And I did what every logical husband does in that moment, pretend I was still asleep, right? You know, I was just like... Thinking in my head, maybe if my daughter senses that I'm still asleep, she will go back to sleep. But practically thinking, maybe if my wife thinks that I'm asleep, she will go up there and try to get her to go back to sleep. And uh, so I'm still just like, boom, I get a nudge to the hips, to the ribs, wherever. Uh, That was my wife making sure that I was awake. Uh, Oh, Oh, do you hear our, 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 our baby crying? I was like, don't hear anything. I don't know what you're talking about. It's got to clear them out a little bit. Well, if you heard it, I mean, it's kind of finders keepers type things. So I get up and I go upstairs and I uh, give her a little bit of food and get her to get back to sleep. And uh, she did. She slept the rest of the night. It was, it was good. But why is that so important, right? Because those of you that have had young kids know that if they don't get a good night's rest, the next day is pretty much shot. You might as well just cross it out. You're not going to get anything done because they're going to be grouchy all day long. Even if they get another, if the, even if they get a good nap the next day, if they don't sleep well that night, it's just not going to be a very productive day. Why is that? It's because we know that kids need sleep. They need to rest. They need uh, to be able to do this. And that's the way their bodies were created. And when they don't rest, they don't perform the proper way. And then we also know that when they do wake up, we don't need to just let, let them lay there all day long, right? They need to be active. They need to be able to crawl around and play with their toys and read books and engage their mind and swing on the swings and play on the playgrounds and all of those things. Because They're not made to just rest, and they're not made to never rest, right? They're somewhere in between, and somehow um, when uh, you got to begin to make the decisions on how often you should rest, we think that we're somehow immune to needing that sleep that we once did when we were babies. And so we're thinking, oh, you know what? I don't need to sleep. I'm going to stay up late. Or hey, I'm just going to lay around all day long. And so today, we're going to be talking about rest. Uh, we've been doing this series called God and the Everyday. And we, what we are going to talk about today is how rest is important and spiritual for us. And so um, the book of Proverbs, as we've been do, using wisdom literature, the book of Proverbs kind of uh, talks about two different kinds of people, right? Talks about the wise person and, and the things that the wise person does. And then they talk about the fool, right? And so we're going to look at um, this passage here today, uh, and he is going to be, uh, those, this wise person is going to be talking about um, a fool. And so we're going to be in chapter 24 of Proverbs, verse 30. 
It says this, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it, and I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. We live in a world where uh, rest is important and it's valued, but I think there are two kind of opposing attitudes as it pertains to rest, and that's what we're going to look at uh, today. Uh, the first attitude is that of all rest, like this camp of laziness or the sluggard, as uh, we looked at in this passage, that, that you just engage in rest. And, and uh, this looks a lot like uh, this binge-watching craze that we have today, right? You open up your Netflix or you turn on your DVR and you sit down on your couch and you watch hours and hours and hours of TV programming, right? And it's entertainment and you're resting, if you will, but you end up after your three or five or 10 hours of however long you're watching these programs, 15 hours, you're more tired than when you started, right? Because you're like, oh, well, I'm resting. And then you get done resting and you're like, I need to rest from my rest because we weren't built to live like that. We weren't built to just sit around all day long. Uh, we weren't built to binge watch for 10 hours a show on Netflix, right? This is not how uh, we were built. And, and, and the, 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 test, uh, the Proverbs here talks about the sluggard. And, um, and what happens when we live our lives like this is we force the people around us to pick up our slack, because there's things that have to get done every day, right? This field needed to get tended, and, and this wall, the stone wall needed to get fixed. But when you are being a sluggard, when you're being lazy, when you're, not, when you're embracing rest to its fullest, saying, all I want to do is rest, other people around you are forced to pick up your slack. And that happens, and it's not a big deal at first, right? But then after a while... It becomes a big deal because all they're doing is picking up, their, picking up your slack. And um, most of the people um, here lack purpose in this camp. They lack purpose. They, they uh, look at the day and they say, well, might as well sleep in because there's really nothing that I need to do. And uh, ultimately, they begin to struggle with faith in God's sustaining power because this is all they want to do. And some of you are thinking, that describes these millennials that are walking around all around, right? This describes these teenagers. That describes these, uh, maybe those of you that are, have uh, young coworkers, and you're like, these people are just lazy. And it sometimes can describe them, right? But it doesn't not describe other generations as well, right? Uh, and, and the reality is, this is not a good camp to be in. Being lazy, being a sluggard um, is what, what Proverbs calls a fool. Uh, but there's another opposing attitude towards rest, and that is this one over here that would be no rest um, or busyness. Like you are busy, you look at the day and you think, there is no time for me to rest, there is just too much to do. 
And so you live your life um, running from one thing to another, never walking, uh, completely overwhelmed, and you force the people around you uh, not to pick up your slack. You actually pick up all of their slack, and so the people that were once close to you, you force them away from you because you just don't have any time for them. And you're looking around at your life, and you're like, man, uh, man, I have a day off. Let me call up some of my friends to go do something. And then you realize... I don't have anybody to do anything with because I've forced everyone away. And maybe you've forced not just your friends away. Maybe you've forced those people that live in your home with you away, your, your loved ones, because you've been so busy. You've been so consumed with getting so many things done to being ultra productive that you've let your busyness become an idol. And so you're enslaved to getting all of this stuff done and um, ultimately, we push those people around us away and, and you find your purpose or you find your identity in being busy. So people ask you a question, hey, how, how's life? And your response is busy, right? Maybe some of you this morning have responded to someone's question similar to that. How's life? How's it going? I'm busy. We in suburbia, this is, our, this is our bent, right? Being busy. And ultimately, people that are constantly busy, that are always running, um, they struggle ha- to have faith in God's provision, that God can provide because you are so busy getting things done. And, and, and we make it an idol to be so productive for multiple reasons. And, and one of the main reasons is we like being needed. It, the, the power that comes with us not being somewhere and showing up later and people going, I'm so glad you're here. We can't survive without you. And that boosts our ego, doesn't it? But what I would say to you is that's actually the opposite of the way we should live our lives. We should live our lives as such to constantly be replacing ourselves with other people, that we're training up people around us all the time to to do the things that we are good at, the things that people are leaning on us to do, right? This is what parenting looks like. This is what leadership looks like. This is what biblical uh, community looks like, is that we have people around us and we're constantly showing them how to do these things that we're doing. And yes, it does take more time to do that, right? Showing um, a, a, te- a 13-year-old boy how to mow the yard is going to take a lot longer than if you just go mow the yard. And when you give him that weed eater, he's going to destroy your yard, and you just have to be okay with that, right? Because what he's learning is to do these things that you were once doing. But we love to be so needed. We, we find our identity in this this, our purpose in people needing us. And, and I believe that um, you look at the life of Jesus and he poured into people so that they could do the work. We should probably do the same thing, but we struggle with this sense of purpose, this sense of identity. And, and I, I don't believe Jesus is over here in the all work um, no rest camp of busyness. And I don't believe Jesus is over here in the all rest laziness camp. I think Jesus, he's, he's found in the middle, right? This is where Jesus did his ministry. 
Um, He rested, absolutely, and he engaged in being productive, absolutely, but he lived here in the middle. And so um, with this series that we're talking about, God in the everyday, we have these two theological foundations that we're building upon, right? The first one is that God is worthy of our everyday lives. He's absolutely worthy of our everyday lives. He's worthy of our rest. And then God is with us in our everyday lives, that he's with us in our rest. And so God's worthy of everyday lives, and he's with us in our everyday lives. This is this theological foundation that, we're, that we've built this entire series around. And so let's take a look at what the Bible says, some biblical principles on rest, if we will, right? So biblical principles on rest, uh, we, we see this one in the Old Testament, rest as a command. Rest as a command, right? Uh, the, the Israelites, uh, they are looking for the promised land, right? They're walking aimlessly through the desert, right? And their leader, Moses, uh, meets with God on top of a mountain, and God gives Moses for his people 10 rules to live, to govern their lives by, right? Rule number four, what is it? Anybody remember? It's going to go in line with this talk today, the Sabbath, right? Here's what it says, In Exodus chapter 20, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh, it's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. The Ten Commandments, right? Number four is built in rest. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, Kyle, I know my theology, and I know that Jesus came and he was the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament and all of its laws. And I would say to you, yes, he was. Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he died a perfect death so that we might be reconciled back to God. He fulfilled all of the law of the Old Testament and that was the only way that he could be the perfect sacrifice for us. But just because Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament law doesn't mean that those Old Testament laws are completely useless to our lives, does it? That doesn't mean we just rip out the Old Testament and burn it up. No, he gave, he gave the Israelites these commandments, these 10 rules to guide their lives by and then help us to see how much we desperately needed God because no matter how hard we tried, we constantly broke these laws. And those laws were there to help us, help guide us, but also to help us see the necessity of being tapped into the Lord. So rest is a command. There's a... Um, a uh, very famous writer and pastor named John Piper, he says this about rest and sleep. He says, sleep is a daily reminder from God that we are not God. That once a day, God sends us to be like patients with a sickness, and the sickness is a chronic tendency to think that we are in control and that our work is indispensable. The, the cure of this disease, God turns us into helpless sacks of sand once a day. You know what this shows us? You're not as important as you think you are. I mean, I think you guys are really important. I think you should come and serve in student ministry, and I think you should help teach small groups and Sunday school. I think you're very, very important. But God wants to let you know that you're probably not as important as you have built yourself up to be in your mind. The fact that you go to sleep at night, and you wake up in the morning, and the world doesn't spontaneously combust 
means that you're not as important as you think you are. He is important. If he ceases to be God for a single moment, the world does spontaneously combust. But we, we are not God. And we need to be reminded that we are not God. And he reminds us daily by putting us down. By putting us down. He's built into the design of our body the necessity for sleep. We look at these babies. We know they need sleep. We need to look at our own lives and realize that we need sleep. We need to rest. He's commanded us this. He also, um, we can use rest as a discipline. Rest as a discipline. You think about the very beginning, page one in your Bibles. God creating out of nothing. His words bring forth life, right? Day one, he created. Day two, he created. Day three, four, five, six. And it was very good. And you know what he did on day seven? He rested. He rested. Intentionally, purposefully rested in creation. God shows us this as a discipline. He built this into his life. And then you look at Jesus. As he walked around um, on this earth with us, he rested. Um, he, He spent his life with these disciples, many of which were fishermen, right? Living their lives in boats. And then something like this happens. Let's show this passage um, in, um, in Mark chapter 4. It says, A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was asleep. He was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And his disciples burst in, Jesus, Jesus, we're going to die! And he's like, guys, I was dreaming, right? Like he, No, he gets up. Cease, be still, and the waters are stilled. Jesus didn't fall asleep on the boat. He went to sleep on the boat. He's sleeping on a cushion. He was purposefully resting. If Jesus needs to rest, you know what? You probably might as well. I don't know. Uh, I'm not a doctor. Um, But I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. So... Joking, I didn't. I slept at my house. But um, if God in creation and Jesus in the incarnation uh, needed rest, then we should follow his model and purposefully seek out rest in our own lives. And then rest, um, it's a gift from God. Rest is a gift from God. In Matthew chapter 11, he offers rest for those that are weighed down by life. He says, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I don't know about you, but there's times when I just am feeling, I might not use the word heavy laden, but I feel the the weight of the world on my shoulders decisions that you're trying to make, being overwhelmed by deadlines or getting accomplishing things or just not having enough hours in the day and it feels like it. And Jesus says, come to me, walk with me, take my yoke upon you. I will lighten 
your burden if you walk alongside of me. I will give you rest. In the book of Psalms, in chapter 3, he talks about sustaining us while we sleep. I lay down and slept. I woke up again, for the Lord sustains me. Rest is not something that we can go out and swipe the old card for, right? We don't go to Walmart and buy some rest. Because if we could sell rest, like I would be, you could be rich, right? But we can't. We don't get to go and buy rest. It's something that we receive as a gift from God. And we only receive this gift from God while we're walking alongside with Him. It's not that we can just say, hey, hey, uh, God, I'm kind of busy right now, but if you could send some rest over my direction, that would be awesome, right? Now, you engage in rest as you're walking with the Lord. So let's, let's come up with, let's together um, kind of have a working definition of what rest needs to look like for us. Um, a biblical definition of rest. Um, and so rest doesn't mean do nothing, uh, but rest is disconnecting from work and connecting to God and others. So rest doesn't mean do nothing, but to disconnect from, the, from work and purposefully connect to God and others. Rest is not passive. Rest is very active, right? Rest isn't binge-watching Netflix, but it's coming home and purposefully engaging those around you, purposefully engaging God. Rest is forcing ourselves to slow down, think deeply, and engage with those around us. That's what biblical rest looks like. That's what Sabbath looks like in the Old Testament. It's slowing down, taking a deep breath, and looking at those around us and giving them the time that they are due. And then thinking deeply about the Lord. Rest is very active. So what are some practices that we can do to engage in rest? Some best practices for rest. I wanted to call this point rest practices, but you know that's just a dad joke. But, uh, so what's some best practices for rest? I'm glad you liked that one. Um, first one, slow down. Slow down. This morning, uh, I was here a little earlier in the, in the 8.30 service, and uh, there was an older lady in the hallway walking in front of me, and I needed to get to my office, and she was not going at a very swift pace, if you will, and so you, you get, I did this whole, like, uh, shuffle your feet, like waiting for the opening, like a like a running back to like dart around her. And I'm thinking, I'm preaching on my pace today. Maybe I shouldn't pass this lady. And so I kind of, hey. But we have such a fast pace that we live our lives by. We need to slow down and we need to engage those that are around us, right? Like, don't let being busy become this idol. Don't let being, uh, don't let. Uh, your pace be more important than your productivity. That's what your pace needs to be more important than your productivity. Don't let productivity win every day. Let your pace be that of one like Jesus. 
that lives with Jesus, that walks with Jesus. He did not run everywhere. You don't see uh, the Bible saying, and then Jesus jogged to the next place. You didn't see many times Jesus saying, hey, um, yeah, I'll get back with you. I'm kind of busy right now. When the kids ran to Jesus, and the disciples tried to shoo them away, but what did Jesus? He, he got down on a knee and said, hey, how's it going? We live at such a fast pace. We need to slow down. So today, take the long way home. Turn off the radio. Take the long way home. Go for a walk with your family, with your friends. Do something to slow yourself down. When you, when you look in um, these neighborhoods uh, that have lots of kids in them, they build speed bumps, right? For the kids on bikes, they're ramps, right? Uh, but the speed bumps, they, they don't really slow you down if you're in a truck, right? But what they're there for is to remind you, hey, there's other people around. You probably should slow your pace down. They remind us that we need to slow down because there's kids around. We need to build in some speed bumps in our lives to remind us to slow down. The next thing that we can do that we should be doing is probably going to offend some of you. And I'm fine with that. Send an email, trend at heritagepark.org. That would be awesome. Put down. We uh, walk around with these glowing boxes in our pockets. And uh, they are are shackles. We need to put it down. Because we can't really rest scrolling through Facebook. Because what you think you're doing is, I'm just, hey, I'm vegging out, I'm chilling out. But that's not what we call rest, right? Rest isn't just disconnecting from work, but it's connecting with God and others. And you don't really connect with that many people via Facebook. You can see what's going on in their life, but that's not connecting. You connect with people when you sit down with them and you talk to them and you ask them about what's going on in their life and you tell them stories, right? Put down the remote, put down the book, put down your iPad, put down your computer, put all of it down and engage those around you. That is how we experience rest. It's hard. I get it. Because... We put it down and we start doing something and it starts buzzing off the counter. We have to put it down. We have to lay it down. We need to look people in the eyes and understand what they're talking about. And we will never be able to do that when we're looking at our phone. And then... We need to write down. We need to make a plan for when, where, how we're going to rest. 
Because I don't know if you're like me, you'll hear something maybe on a Sunday, maybe in a, uh, in a class or on the radio, and you're like, man, that's a really good thing. I should begin to start doing that. And you have the best intentions. And I trust that your intentions are, are authentic and they're real. And you're like, you know what, let's do this. And so then you uh, go throughout the whole week and you forgot about it and you come back the next week. And you're like, there was something I was supposed to be doing this week. What was it? Don't, let's don't be those kinds of people that hear things that are helpful but don't ever apply them. What I'm challenging you to do is to write down how you are going to rest. And here are some categories that I want you to begin to think about how you're going to rest or where you're going to rest. Daily rest. We need it every day, right? It's called sleep, but it's also being able to like just wind down. Some of us, uh, we don't ever rest because we lay down in our bed and there is a phone in front of us or there's a TV on and we fall asleep to stuff going on and we never actually turn our brains off for a second because we always have noise going on. We always have distractions going on. Write down some time to rest. Daily rest. Um, we need to engage in weekly rest. What does it look like for you to um, set aside you know, some time during your week where you and your family and those around you can actually rest? And, and I get that sometimes stuff happens, right? And you're busy. There's seasons of your life that are busy. But we need to make these kinds of things a priority. And the way we make them a priority is we write them down. We calendar them. Monthly rest how can you take a couple days off during the month to, to just connect with those around you? And yearly rest. Maybe that does look like a vacation. Maybe that looks like you just chilling out on the beach in Galveston for a couple days. This summer, um, my wife and I had plans to go on a vacation at the very end of the summer with some friends. And I looked at her and I said, hey, we're going to run hard this summer. We're going to do ministry and we're going to burn the candle at both ends because we know that we have a vacation coming, right? We're going to go on a cruise and it's going to be great. Seven days of being disconnected. You know what happened? Freaking Harvey happened. The day we're supposed to get on the boat, Harvey decided, oh, hey, I'm going to change your lives forever. And we uh, didn't get to go on that cruise, and we ended up burning the candles on both ends again for another season. And you know what, the, what God did in that season? He gave us as a church, because we did really well. He gave us power, right? Supernatural power, supernatural strength to get through that season. But once that season started winding down and the pace began to slow down again, uh, my wife and I had planned to go on this cruise in January with some friends. And we uh, went. And I, I, I've never experienced this before. But um, we came, I came back, and I was in my office, and I was um, finishing up the first sermon that I was going to preach after we got back from this week-long vacation. It was only a week. And I finished writing it down and put my pen down, and I audibly said in my office, that was fresh. Why? Because 
I was scraping the bottom of the barrel to try to get whatever I had left and use it. But then I rested. And I was filled up by God. And as I, be, I was able to be used by God. We need to write these kinds of things down. We need to engage in rest. And the last thing is, as you see, is lay down. Some of you guys just need to go to sleep. Like, not lay down in your bed and play on your phone for a couple hours. Turn it all off, lay it all down, and just go to sleep at like a ridiculous hour. You're like, people are, like the sun's still out. Like, okay, just go to sleep because you haven't rested in a long time. For some of us in this room, the most spiritual thing that we can do today is take a nap. Can I get an amen? Can I get an Amen. But seriously, because we're worn out, we need to get some rest. And so it doesn't matter where you're coming from. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter uh, what you have going on. We all desperately need to rest. And some seasons are easier than other seasons, and I get that. uh, But there is no excuse. And so here it is. If you are pursuing Jesus, if you are walking with Jesus, you will experience rest. But if you are not walking with Jesus, if you are going on a walkabout alone, away from the Lord, you can look for rest all you want, but you will never truly experience rest. Because rest is a gift from God. You might experience moments of this gift, but you will never get to fully experience this gift of rest. For some people in this room, you're exhausted. You're completely wore out. And my challenge for you today is evaluate why. Are you walking side by side with the Lord? Are you doing your own thing? And maybe there's someone in this room that's never truly experienced the fullness of rest. And that's because you've never truly experienced Jesus. My challenge to you would be, my plead to you would be, come to Jesus. Because in Him, you will find rest. Not just a good night's sleep, but you will find rest. Rest in peace. So I'm going to pray, and, and I want you to think about this. Let's don't be the kind of people that hear something and are, are challenged by something, but we don't do anything about it. Let's be the kind of people that take what God is challenging us with and apply it to our lives. If you need someone to talk to about what it looks like to get to know Jesus, to follow Jesus. I'll be in the back. I'd love for you to talk to you about that. If you're struggling with walking away from the Lord and you need to come back so that you can experience this rest because that is where peace is, that's where rest is, I'll be in the back. I'd love to talk to you. Let me pray and and we're going to sing a little bit. Lord, I love you. I love you so much, God. I'm so grateful that you, you give us what we need. 
And here, in suburbia, in this world that we live in, we need rest desperately. But we only find that when we're walking with you, Lord. And so, uh, as your people are examining their hearts, and they're thinking through why they're tired, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit comes and convicts. Show us where, where we are walking away from you and guide us back to you because you are standing there with open arms ready to embrace us. And Lord, if, if anyone's in this room examining their heart and they realize that they've never actually gave their lives to you, that they've just been playing this game, trying to do it on their own, or give them the strength, give them the confidence, give them the boldness to, to today make a stand and follow you. We need you. So come and meet with us and give us rest today. In your name we pray.